T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Here is U.S. Senator Bob Casey with us this morning on WILK. Welcome, Senator. It's great to talk to you. Hey, Sue. Thank you. Good to be with you. Absolutely. And we start out because it is, uh, unfortunately, the leading topic of today is uh, 26 dead in uh, Texas. Uh, Senator Casey, when you hear things like this, where where do your thoughts go? Well, it's, it's just horrific. And I just can't even imagine what it's like to be in a place of worship of all places. And here, uh, I guess the initial gunshots were through the, were from the outside, and then the gunman came into the, into the, um, uh, into the church itself, um, and it just kept shooting. I can't even begin to imagine the kind of horror that those families uh, and those victims endured. So it's, um, I think everyone is, everyone is without the adequate words on a day like today. Absolutely. And of course, then the the questioning begins as to why an individual, as far as we know, and of course, there may be things that come out, but this kind of, of violence on a, a big scale, total strangers to this individual, children, older people, yeah. it's just... Where do you even start to to process as as a lawmaker, and I guess as, as a human being with a family too? No, sometimes we we uh, the, the only way to to process it and to adequately uh, uh, mourn that loss is to think of it in your own in the context of your own life. I just in this case, I guess the pastor's daughter was was there and then the pastor was not he was out of town i can't imagine what that's what that's like um and i know some people don't want to go to a policy debate and and i understand that but i just um i'm just unwilling to accept the idea that we can't we can't take some steps in the in the direction of reducing the likelihood this could happen um i know the president talked last night about mental health and that's obviously a part of this, we haven't, we still haven't uh, reached a point where we've got uh, either policy in place or the or the uh, the mechanisms mechanisms in place to be able to to identify people that have those kinds of issues and to prevent them from getting getting a weapon. But it's good. It like all like all these tragedies that lead to a a bigger debate. But I just. Uh, I just find it hard to believe that the greatest country in the world, which we are for sure, can't uh, take steps to reduce the likelihood. But that that debate will continue. Sure, and uh, we know in in the Las Vegas situation, Senator Casey, that they are doing uh, analytics on the the brain of the shooter. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. there is there any is there anything that leads you to believe that that kind of pathology may 
merit some sort of result that we're not seeing. I mean, we're just literally taking we're taking stabs in the dark all the time on this stuff. You know, this guy was called uh, a loner and yeah. other things. But are I mean, do you think that might merit something in the future, some kind of intensive study of pathology? Yeah, I sure hope so. In this case, I don't know what the uh, the the um, pathologist and the medical expert will find. I guess they have some initial conclusions, but um, that's certainly going to be. Uh, I, I think we'll at least shed some light on on his uh, state of mind. It may not have uh, application for uh, you know for every circumstance. Right. Each one of these has some differences. So in this case, what I don't know enough about, I just heard a little bit this morning, and I need to learn more, is whether or not, in this case, um, whether or not this individual, uh, when he was involved in that incident of domestic violence, was he convicted of a a, uh, a felony or whether he was convicted of a misdemeanor? Because if he was convicted of a felony, he should not have been able to get a gun. But technically, right now, there's no prohibition uh, if you're convicted of a uh, a misdemeanor, a hate crime, or or and it could also be domestic violence. Um, those individuals are still able to get guns. So I, I don't know what the particular circumstances was, but that's I guess worthy of some some review and study to see what. But what happened to him in this particular case? Is is the military system different than the criminal justice system? Is I think a question also that that some people may have in uh, this regard. Yes, yeah, my understanding from some of the reporting last night that if you're and this is not something we've we've um, a lot of people have have thought about. I guess is that. If if you have a, an honorable discharge, you can get access to a weapon. If you have a dishonorable discharge, you cannot. Um, and it seems from the reporting that his discharge was uh, was uh, dishonorable. So uh, that's a whole other set of questions in the context of of his military background. In, in terms of you and fellow lawmakers um, trying to get a hand on this, do you believe that? This this kind of paperwork deserves attention. Do you believe in something broader? And in in your own mind and, and with uh, your colleagues, what do you think should be done here? I mean, we live in a, a country where there are more guns than people at the moment. We live in a country where if you would try to somehow take people's firearms off of them, I, I think you would meet with fierce resistance. We also live in a country mm-hmm. where uh, last week we, we had uh, a truck attack that killed people in New York City. So it, it's, mm-hmm. it seems like a terribly complex situation, and uh, trying to solve it from a legislative perspective obviously falls to you. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the, the one area where I think there's a lot of consensus is the, uh, the background check issue. You, you might remember back in 2013, we had a vote in the Senate. I think, I'm not 100% certain, but I thought we got to about 56 out of 60 or 57 votes. And so that indicates a lot of bipartisan consensus uh, then back in um, 2013, more than more than four years ago now. I think it was in maybe March of 13. Um, so that's one thing. Obviously, background checks um, are, are have, have wide support and I think that's still possible. I hope we could vote on that again and have a debate about it and then, and then get a vote. 
But even if you have a background check law in place, some of the questions still arise whether or not the system in Pennsylvania is called the NIC system, the National Criminal uh, Information System. I think I have the right words there, but that so-called NICS system, NIC, NICS, the NICS system, uh, and systems like it in, in other states or even nationally sometimes don't work as well as they should. I don't know enough about the the technical defects there, but um, in a country like ours, we have such technical proficiency and very smart people figuring out how to how to use technology for efficiency and how to identify um, information and, and identify, uh, in this case, identify a problem, you'd think we could perfect that to be able to instantly uh, check on someone's uh, background uh, before they're given a, you know, a, a military-style weapon or even a handgun. So that's, I think if we at least could get progress made on mental health as well as the, get a background check law in place and then make sure it works, which, as I just indicated, can also be an issue. We could at least reduce the likelihood. And, um, look, I think it's even progress, Sue, if, if let's say there's a scenario where, where uh, in this case, someone killed 26 people. Um, are, there, are there ways to reduce the likelihood that he kills anyone, or are there ways to reduce the likelihood that um, he kills that many at one time? The, the guy in, in uh, Las Vegas, I mean, that guy had almost uh, a gun for every victim. He had, he killed over, I guess he killed 58 people, and he had 47 guns or something like that. Somewhere in those, those numbers might be, might be off by one or two. But um, these guys come to these events or come to these uh, incidents with, with an arsenal and with body armor and, and an escape plan and, so they come in a very premeditated way, armed to the teeth, like a like a almost like a small um, you know, like a small army in and of themselves. But uh, the as far as we know, Senator Casey, the um, Vegas shooter, he he passed all the checks, right? Those weapons were technically his. So are you suggesting a limit on the amount of weapons that someone may own? I I think we just have to ask a question. If someone is buying um, a lot of high-powered weapons at one time and a lot of ammunition, um, is is, is that something that um, uh, we should be concerned about? I think it is. Um, um, I, I I just refuse to believe that the greatest country in the world can do absolutely nothing about this problem, and and I think the response has to be more than just um, the um, you know the, the mental health part of this. Um, but that's uh, that's a frustration we we can't seem to get beyond this uh, stalemate in the debate. And uh, frankly, we don't debate it enough because sometimes in the Congress or even in the country. An incident occurs, people debate it, they talk about it, they argue back and forth, and then it gets pushed to the side, and uh, months go by before anyone debates it again. And we somehow have to figure out a way to sustain the debate and then see if there isn't something we can do that is the subject of consensus. Do you see bipartisan support for anything regarding these situations? Yes, background checks. I I think that was demonstrated back in 2013. 
I hope there's more than that, but um, um, and I've supported, as you know, the the limitation on the magazine. Um, why does someone need thirty bullets at you know, or more than thirty bullets at any at any one time? Because um, the availability of that kind of capacity of of, of ammunition guarantees that when someone starts shooting, it's not going to be three or four people killed. It's going to be a much higher number as, you know, this incident was 26 people in a church. Newtown was, I guess, 27 when I saw that number on a graphic today. 20 children and then, I guess, seven adults ultimately uh, in Newtown, Connecticut. Um, So when you have that, the, the power of the weapon combined with with that much uh, that much capacity in the magazine, you're almost definitively going to have um, victim numbers that high before anyone can respond. Um, especially with a with a, a semi-automatic semi-automatic weapon, which is which is as close as you can get to an automatic weapon, which technically has been illegal since the 30s when they outlawed machine guns, but um, with these semi-automatic weapons, with these bump stocks, are in essence an automatic weapon. So, is there anything being done on the on the bump stocks? To your knowledge, I mean, is there anything being put together on that? I think there's bipartisan support for legislation, which has been in, introduced. But so far, um, the the majority leader McConnell hasn't uh, indicated whether he'd allow that bill to come to the floor. Um, the administration uh, has been saying that they uh, uh, that they they think they might be able to deal with this uh, within within existing law or within within federal government agencies. But um, I, I think if a bill like that came to the floor that was limited to this bump stock enhancement, if you want to call it that, um, I think it would pass pretty easily. Okay. And um, just a, an overview of uh, your feelings regarding the, uh, the the tax plan that was uh, put forth last week, and uh, how you think it may change with the with the Senate. And uh, do you think that there's any any merit to the tax plan at all? Well, look, I, I, I express real concern with the. Uh, the framework, which wasn't a bill, but it was an outline of the proposal, and it was a it was a unified Republican framework, which meant the administration and both houses of Congress signed on to it, in essence, or at least the leadership did. Now it's a bill, and, and there's more review that we should undertake, and and certainly the review is the, the best reviews are done by these uh, tax um, kind of tax policy think tanks that, that um, have been looking at these issues for years. And they'll be coming out with more and more analysis. But my my sense, at the initial sense I have is there's that um, there's permanency for corporate tax cuts to the tune of a, a trillion and a half over ten years. That's one point five trillion with a T. That that there's permanence with regard to that. There's permanence with regard to the the uh, the very wealthiest. The middle class seems to get some of the middle class seem to get a uh, a tax break in year one, and maybe a few years after that. And then there's some analysis that shows that their tax break goes away, or actually 
their tax um, liability or t- tax uh, um, responsibility increases, where they are actually where taxes are going up in, in, in over the course of the decade. What I think we should start with is, first of all, have a process which examines the tax code for months, and that means lots of hearings. We haven't had very many in the Finance Committee. Um, what the House Republicans want to do is they introduced a bill Thursday, so they have te- bill text on Thursday. They're having a markup of that today, and markup is a, a fancy Washington word for when you consider the bill and various members of the House Ways and Means Committee can offer amendments. And the end of the markup means the committee passes the, or either passes the bill or, or doesn't, but I'm sure they have the votes for it. That means that they've considered a tax bill uh, over the course of a few days instead of what I think it requires, which is several months. So I think if we could do this in a, in a, in a considered um, and thorough way in a bipartisan fashion, we could get, we could get uh, consensus that's bipartisan on simplicity, on making sure the middle class gets a, a huge and, and maybe even unprecedented tax cut. And I don't think the top 1% should get a dime if we could avoid it. And they don't, the top 1% doesn't need the money. And it's not, it's not creating jobs when they get the money. Uh, if we create permanency for corporations, why can't we create a permanent tax cut for, for uh, the middle class at least for 10 years? Um, but they, the, 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 the bill text so far doesn't point in that, um, doesn't point in that direction. Right. U.S. Senator Bob Casey, thanks for joining us today. I hope we could uh, talk more often in the future. It's always good to hear uh, what's on your mind and what's going on in Washington. We really appreciate it. So thank you, and thanks for the time. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.